proud history of adventure. I stand alive! It's a desert, Leo. Watch him, it does a mag. No heroes ever have been more courageous. What is that? How the hell should I know? Matt, shoot it! More faithful. You stupid AF Jane. More optimistic. We keep sticking our necks out, and sooner or later, somebody's gonna chop our heads off. Than Max Donegan and Leo Porter. I need a new plan. Hey everybody, it's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy. And today we're talking about a film called Firewalker from 1986. 1986. Starring? One venerable Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. And Louis Gossett Jr. Louis Gossett Jr. Melody Anderson. Melody Anderson. Sonny Landham. Yeah, Sonny Landham. Isn't it? And featuring... John Rice Davis. Oh yeah, he's definitely Davies. Sorry, Davies. John Rice Davies. John Rice Davies. Yes, that's right. The man for adventure movies from this time period, for some reason. Uh, yeah, as we have noticed. Yes, he he's in a lot of them. In our many ways. So, JD, tell tell the audience what this movie's about. Uh, the movie is an adventure movie slash comedy starring Chuck Norris and Louis Gossett Jr. as uh, uh, two friends who go on adventures together. Two, yeah, two guns for hire who go on adventures together. Yes, they're hired by uh, Melody Anderson. Who's playing Patricia Goodwin. Yeah, her character who hires them and they basically go find uh, ancient Mayan gold. No, no, it's not just Mayan gold. It's native Mayan, Aztec, Mexican gold. Yes. It's really confusing because I think it's on purpose. They did it on purpose because they want it to be a send-up. So it's native gold, but it's found in Central America. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's 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 it's, it's like all and and, like and, and they put all the native groups kind of together because yeah. the main villain of the movie. Well, they first off you meet a character called Tall Eagle who is obviously like Navajo, mm-hmm. and then he's like, oh, but you have to watch out for a Coyote, and then you meet El Coyote. El Coyote. His, who's not even Coyote. Coyotes. El Coyote. El Coyote. Yes. His Mex. Who's Mexican, and he's not the spirit of Coyote. He's just. El Coyote, played by Will Sampson. Yes, and then he turns into a uh, Mayan uh, ancestor. Ma- yeah, Mayan ancestor, <laughs> priest, whatever you have. Yeah, There's a lot of that weirdness in, the, in this movie, yeah. In this movie, all natives are the same is what I take away from it. <laughs> yeah. In fact, um, at the beginning of the movie, uh, I think they're overseas. Yeah, they're the overseas Sahara Desert, in and the then, Sahara Desert. And then they cut to a bar, and then it turns out they're in Mexico. But we, we're not told that, so it's kind of like every world, every place in the world is this one area. It's, it's bizarre. And then they go to Central Me- uh, Central America, but they're very obviously still in Mexico. They're filming. Mm. <laughs> so as you can see, this is a, this is a weird one. It's it is very cheaply done. You can tell <laughs> it's a very weird. It's a very strange movie. It's by the same director of um, of the. Oh yes, I forgot to tell you. So it's directed by J. Lee Thompson. Yeah. And uh, written by a bunch of people that aren't really that important to it overall, but it's Robin Gosnell, Jeffrey M. Rosenbaum. Mm-hmm. And, well, if you might be familiar with the director, J. Lee Thompson, we've talked about many of his movies already. Yeah, because he was uh, one of the canon Many, movies. yeah. He's one of the... He's, he's, he's along with Sam Furstenberg, one of the uh, canon directors. The, the prolific main canon. ones, yeah. basically. Um, which you'll recognize from us doing episodes about 10 to Midnight. Yep. The Ambassador. Mm. King Solomon's Mind. That's... 
the one most, uh, that's the one most and uh, most recently Murphy's Law. Yeah, King Solomon Mines is the one closest closest to this film, and uh, I but would, not closest in quality to this film. No, I was kind of surprised because uh, when I was watching this movie, the only time the thing I kept popping in my head is why couldn't King Solomon's Mine be directed more like this instead of what it was directed like? You want to know why? The cast was more likable than the uh, cast of King Solomon's Mind, and the writing was slightly I, better I, than the writing for I King Solomon's Mind. I think that's Mind. too is because that these guys actually had chemistry together. That's why I asked you at one point if uh, Chuck Norris and uh, Louis Gossett Jr. were actually this in. This apparently was their only one, but they they're placed back to back, like on on their poster on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Because they feel like they're they're when I was watching, this, they kind of felt like they were kind of friends. So I figured they had to be in other things together. They're they really it's like at the very least they, they needed to have been buddies in real life because there's a real chemistry there yeah that's why i thought it was really strange like i think that's the takeaway too is the cast in this one actually felt like they they like each other when the other one we know they didn't like each other even yeah without learning the behind the scenes on that one so uh so what are your other impressions of this movie then uh, my other movie my other impression of the movie is um this is basically what i wanted king solomon's minds to be which is kind of a uh simple adventure movie it's kind of uh, comedic at the same time it's nothing uh, over the top, uh, incredible, or anything like that. But it's, and uh... it's important to note that this movie is uh, the first Chuck Norris movie we've watched so far in which he's actually likable and has a personality. And this is kind of the Chuck Norris that I know. It's the one where he has a little bit more personality. Chuck, Chuck Norris going into the '90s was much more uh, self-aware, laid, laid back, self-aware. Yeah, he was more. Um more comedic about himself this was his first comedic role like the other movies i found he took too serious and i have some seen times seen that oh no he 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 like he can't act and he can't really act but it's like if you look at Mm -hmm. the very first the first quote-unquote first like meaning the second missing in action film that became the first movie where there's actually some acting going on there Mm -hmm. and then contrast it with this movie where he's trying to act and it's still not bad but not great yeah it's decent yeah chuck norris in the 80s was more a serious uh, action guy and then that's pretty much what the movie's reflected but when he went into the 90s and i think it was actually starting around this film because uh, a couple more after this were more comedic he just kind of he kind of softened his image a bit and you you realize that because a lot of them the memes that float around about chuck doors are from two things they're from sidekicks or they're from walker texas ranger yeah which is also apparently references this movie as well because walker gave me aids <laughs> walker yeah, this, this, <laughs> laughing at Conan bits always works. Yeah, this, is, this, is, this is a more goofy movie, and uh, after the last couple of Chuck Norris movies, which are a bit more serious, it was kind of it was a more of a welcome, more of a welcome thing. So, with our initial impressions of this JD, it's time to move on to everybody's favorite favorite segment: mm-hmm. our lowlights of the film. What didn't you like about the film? I didn't like that there was no real ticking clock. Yes. There the, was a villain. There was a there's villain. There's a villain. The there was El Coyote. But the villain, A, they didn't know about him for most of the movie? There was no tension. There was... It was a lot of like, yeah, hey, we're going here. And, oh, something's happened to us on the way. How wacky. <laughs> yeah, because they they keep saying we have to get to the goal. Okay, we have to get to the goal. But there's no reason they have to rush to get to the goal. There's no stakes. That's the problem. This movie has absolutely no stakes. Yeah. And it coasts entirely by on what I consider the highlight of the film, which is the chemistry between your three main leads. Yeah. Between uh, Chuck Norris, Louis Gossett, and uh, Melody Anderson. But with you didn't have that chemistry... I think that's This movie would not work at all. It's, I think it's part of the problem. You have another King Solomon's Mind situation yeah, on your hands. Yeah, the problem is if, if it wasn't 
if it wasn't for the fact that this is more comedic in tone and the three main characters actually had chemistry, it probably would be a real slog to watch. Yeah, and Chuck Norris pokes fun at himself throughout the movie. Yeah. His character is, uh, he's bad with guns, but man, can he kick. <laughs> and Lee Gossett Jr. is kind of a uh, wimpy, complaining guy, and this is the guy who's an Iron Eagle, so... All one million of them. Actually, I think there's like five Iron Eagle movies, yeah. as I found we out. We actually haven't covered any Iron Eagle movies, and maybe we will cover one eventually. I don't know. Yeah, there's like a couple of helicopter films I want to yeah. watch, and they're all kind of the same. Yeah, but we also basically just went right into the highlights, which is Chuck Norris, Louis Gossett Jr., and. Yeah, that's like I said, it's like the It's like the the loosey goosiness of the plot does not work unless they're, they're likable. And it is very episodic. Mm hmm. And. To its detriment in many ways. And like I said, it's like the, the highlight of the film is just that they have such great chemistry together. Yeah. And like I said, the, the ma main thing for me is like there's no stakes. There, like there is a villain. But as I said, they don't know there's a villain for most of the movie. And when he shows up, he kind of shows up like three times. And he doesn't show up for like 40 minutes after that. Oh, and the other highlight was is obviously John Reese davies oh, playing. Yeah. In a very episodic sequence in the movie where it's like you can take it out completely and it adds nothing to it or takes away from it. Mm-hmm. Of a former comrade of Chuck Norris's who has obviously gone a little bit nuts and is trying to start an empire in the middle of the jungles of South of uh, Central America. Yeah, but it was a great scene. So e even even though his, uh, he obviously knows that he's going to die at some point, that this will never come to fruition. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. But I think that move that that actually adds to the uh, to the relationships and adds to the atmosphere. So I'm glad they left that they left that one in. So moving there, is there any lines that stick out to you? Uh, it's not a really quippy film. Not a quippy film, but the line that that uh, sticks out to me is is the cliched line of "So we meet again." Yeah, because that's where the movie starts, and that's, that's where, where the movie, movie ends, ends yeah. with a terrible caricature of an Asian dictator general who was in the Sahara. Desert. Who was in the Sahara Desert, <laughs> and I think he had didn't he have like Arabs as his men? Yes, and he was driving around in a car that basically <laughs> played the most racist sounding <laughs> Chinese music. Oh my god! Uh, coming out of it. And he had a manservant. It's pretty obvious. And then at the end of the movie, he's serving alcohol, and he basically goes, so we meet again. Yeah. And you're just looking at it going, this movie is bad. This movie is hilarious. It's obvious they weren't taking anything serious when they made it. And I think that's that's one of its strengths. Uh, I think that's his strengths overall. And I think that's the that whole comedic edge is what would push over it for me to give it a 3 out of, out of 5. It was, I just really had a blast watching the yeah, movie. Yeah, it's like early on in the movie, I went, I know exactly what I'm giving it. Because it's like about a third of the movie, like, I, I've, I've taken the measure of this film. Mm -hmm. I go, and I, and I know exactly the type of movie this is. Yeah. And then as the movie went on and the looseiness got to it, I'm like, oh, my estimation's going down a little bit now. I'm like, uh, mm -hmm. and I'm like, and it kept ticking off points on it. Like, ticking, like... To the point where I'm like, okay, I'm at 2.5 in my head. I'm like, I was at a 3 at the start. And I'm like, mm -hmm. and by the end, that's about where I was. And I'm like, we don't do half score. So is this movie better than a 2? Yes. Well, I also, So that means I'm giving it a 3. I also go on when we, we do our impressions as well. That kind of adds or de detriments to the movie. Because several times I've given something lower or higher, depending on what we've said about it. But it, yeah. Three, the movie is uh, the, I would say, the epitome of a... Uh, Saturday afternoon, uh, watch on a television, oh, rainy day. This, this is definitely one of those movies, no question it's, about it. It's like I was able to go up and prepare my supper uh, while watching this film um, mm -hmm. and do some work for the podcast as well, behind the scenes, while still being able to pay attention to the movie because it's so low stakes. 
and you don't really need to follow the plot closely to figure out what's going on. It's just a, it's just a goofy movie. So yeah, it's about a three. It's like I, I, mm. I could probably go worse. I know I can't go higher, mm. but it's, it's if you want to watch something that's that's a fun. It's like fun in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Fun now, in a kind of cheeky, over the top, silly, and at the same because this movie's bad. This movie is a bad movie. Well, yeah. It's not but a good it's movie. still fun. That's the issue. That's the issue. That's what I'm having. That's what I'm saying. Is that that's it's still thing. it's a bad movie, but it's still fun. So it's fun. That's that's it has a, a charm and a tone to it that works. And yeah. Again, the chemistry of the main characters also. They helps. play off each other. The three of them play off each other very very well. Yeah. So overall, I would say if you like uh, kind of action comedy movies from the '80s, I would I would recommend seeing it. And it, honestly, I think overall, even though it probably gave like one of his other movies a higher rating, I think this might be one of the better uh, J. Lee Thompson films, uh, directed films. Even though I think I may have given one of his other films a higher rating. His, I like I enjoyed I've enjoyed his two Bronson ones we've seen so far. They had their problems, but I really liked uh, Ten to Midnight and Murphy's Law. But this one might have had because this this is also his second. Uh, adventure movie we covered the other one and this one is far better directed than that one is it's not even a question about it and then just to jump uh to it it's like i also think this is probably one of the better chuck norris movies we've watched so far only one of them because uh, it's like invasion usa would be better than this but it has its issues missing in um, action, missing action the, the the first one has has its issues but it's a better movie than this yeah. but of the other like two or three we've watched this is definitely better it's definitely uh, more entertaining it's, overall yeah it is this that's the best thing to say about the movie is that it's entertaining and that's that's his main goal yeah it's not meant to be anything but like high art it's just meant to be entertaining and it succeeds it what it does and this is where we're, i guess we start bringing it to a close and i'm just going to point out a couple of little minor notes and little yeah, minor things about production so this is where we're starting to mark the downfall of canon mm-hmm. uh they put eight million dollars into the budget on this film and it made back a little over 12 million which is decent they made a four million dollar profit on this film yeah and it was but, they cons- but it was and it did very well in the box office overall but they still considered it a flop, and it didn't make back enough money for what they need to keep yeah. on going. And you're going to start seeing the movies start getting lower budget-wise as we go forward. Yes, because Canon over started to overspend on things other than their movies. Because if you notice that the the budget for Canon as we started it wasn't very high, but it's gradually climbed up, and you start to see things like this doesn't this doesn't look as much like the older movies do. It feels kind of more professional, but then it starts to go back down again. Yeah, because that's what I noticed is that we're starting to see more professional-looking movies and less like uh, television direction on the big screen. Which is good because that, that's a sign of a successful and healthy studio that you have more money to do this sort of stuff. But they begin to spend on other things other than the movies. It's, it's yeah, it's like I said, it's we're at the point as I equipped you earlier. It's Golan and Globus in the search for more money. Yeah, that's that's the the biggest issue they had. They had a formula. They'll they'll do anything for money. They don't care what type of movie yeah, it is. They had a formula that worked, which was basically spend as little on the movie as you can to get it out there, make a profit, and use that profit for the next movie. What they started to do is they made the profit, but they spent the profit on something else except the movie. Yeah, and then they started getting greedy, and they yeah. wanted more. And it started to slide downhill. This is kind of the beginning of that going into 1987 because considering this is kind of the end near the end of the season near the end of 1986 so you're really going to start to see it next year with the quality of films start to yeah because they're this season they had uh 1986 they had a couple of like bigger movies we haven't been able to find that are like critically acclaimed yeah and high budget and they're, and they're but action movies they're as well, hard to find budget. nowadays it's like people just don't 
care about him as much and it's just yeah. like okay and the ones that people do ranks. care about that do care about from canon are these lower budget films not yeah. otello not um well uh the one from previous season what was it the the runaway train yeah. like they, they don't care about these high budget oscar bait oscar quality films they want this mm. low cinema stuff yeah. well which like i said um they had a formula and it worked for a long time but you'll see starting next season how uh Straying from your original path is not always the best idea. Yes. Oh, and it's Apache, not uh, not uh, not Navajo. Oh, there you go. All right, so um, is that everything? Yeah, that's that's all I really wanted to add was it's that just to note that this is the beginning of the decline you're going to start seeing. All right, everybody, uh, and that's it for this episode. Um, I'm JD. I'm Randy, and we'll see you next time when we continue our cruise through the Canon catalog. Good night and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Canon Films, and we're dynamite. For the thrill of danger, the promise of excitement, and a mountain of treasure. There's better be some gold up here. Get your butt. I'm coming, I'm coming. Chuck Norris and Lou Gossett in Firewalker. Sipping champagne in fine restaurants. Gambling in casinos. Man, I can't wait. I don't remember inviting you. <laughs>